welcome to Agape Ministries Podcasts, a whole new way of thinking. Episode 178, part one of the talk given by Michelle Moran, entitled Put Off the Old, Put On the New. I wanted to begin this evening by sharing a story of, um, in my international work, I'm responsible for all sorts of things these days. And one of them is, um, some of you may know that in 2017, it will be the 50th anniversary of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. And so we'll be having a big celebration in Rome. And um, as a way of preparing... Oh, that, just slide on, no problem. They, they won't notice. It's great. I'm only little. Yeah, yeah, I'm only little. Um, And as a way of preparing for that jubilee, we've done a number of different things. One of which was in um, 2013, in November that year, we gathered together some leaders from all around the world to um, come together to really pray and to seek the Lord's heart for us as um, people involved in the charismatic renewal Um, journeying towards our jubilee. So there was about 160 of us gathered in the Holy Land. We spent most of the time uh, in a conference place in Bethlehem, which was very appropriate, the house of bread. And we were seeking the Lord to to give us his word uh, for the next few years. And as part of that time, we took a one-day pilgrimage, only one day, And we went up to Jerusalem. And part of the day in Jerusalem, we did many things, but part of the day was to try and gather in the upper room, the cenacle, the place of Pentecost, the place of the Last Supper. But those of you who know about those pilgrimage places will know that that's not an easy place to gather because it's one of those, let's say, disputed places religious sites. It's not disputed about what happened there, but it's disputed about who has a right to go there now. Um, And so really, it's a place that you pass through rather than a place that you congregate at. And it's under the the protection of um, the the security officials, really. So it's not like um, under the protection of the religious uh, sites, the custos. So We made our pilgrimage, we did what we wanted to do at the various places in Jerusalem, and then um, the final part of the day, we made our way to the upper room, and literally, it's a small place, those of you who haven't been. You go up a set of steps, you pass through quite a small room, and you descend a set of steps, and you've been to the upper room. When we got there, uh, Peter, my husband, had his guitar, And when we got there, the security people said, no, no, you can't take that in there. So Peter looked rather puzzled and said, oh, so what do I do with it then? 
And then the security guard went, I don't really know, just take it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we arrived up in the upper room with guitar. And rather than passing through, we diverted into the upper room quite quickly, 160 people. And quite quickly, we started to praise the Lord because we didn't know how long we'd have. So we're singing and we're praying. Imagine 160 leaders from the Worldwide Catholic Charismatic Renewal in the upper room singing and praising the Lord. This is not just an ordinary prayer meeting. You know, come on. This is like, it doesn't get better than this. And so we started, we were praising the Lord. And apparently at one point, the security guards came up the steps to find out what was going on. And I saw this afterwards because somebody recorded it on their mobile phone. So the security guard comes in, everybody's standing, singing in tongues. He looks and then he just leaves. (laughs) I don't think he knew what else to do. And so we, we were able to spend more than one hour, and some of you in this room were there, so uh, you, you know this story very well, but we were able to spend more than one hour in the upper room, the, the cynical, the place of Pentecost, singing, praising the Lord, listening to the Lord, and really just reliving the first Pentecost, and receiving a new Pentecost, not just for ourselves, but I believe symbolic for um, the worldwide renewal, the worldwide church. And I'm telling you this story for a particular reason tonight, because during that one hour of praise and worship, many things happened. And as individuals, we've all got our own stories to tell of what we experienced, just like I suppose on Pentecost Day that we read about in Acts chapter 2, I guess everybody there had their own stories to tell of what that Pentecost Day was like for them. But right at the end of our gathering, as I said, we were there for perhaps just over an hour, there was a prophetic word, and there'd been several during that hour. But the very final prophetic word that we heard was this word. The Lord says, I will pour out my spirit. 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 I will pour out my spirit liberally, continuously, generously, and in abundance. That was the last word that we heard from the Lord in the upper room. And then it was time to go, and we descended the steps and back out into the streets of Jerusalem. It took me quite a long time to return to that because I think I was living my own experience in that upper room in the months that followed that encounter. I was reflecting upon what the Lord had personally said to me. So it was some time after when I began to look at the big picture and because I'm a thinking person, I began to reflect on the words that we'd heard and I began to ask, why Lord was the last word that you gave us on that occasion, that word. Why was it you were saying to us, I will pour out my spirit, I will pour out my spirit, I will pour out my spirit. 
I will pour out my spirit liberally, continuously, generously, and in abundance. Why would the Lord leave us with that last word? And the more I reflected upon it, the more I could see that that was the word we needed to take from the upper room. We needed to take with us the promise of the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit that was poured out in that place on the first Pentecost and that Holy Spirit that is being poured out in and through the church and into the world each day of our lives. We needed to become cynicals of the Holy Spirit when we left that upper room in Jerusalem and then we took our flights and we went all over the world. We needed to become ambassadors of the Holy Spirit. And tonight, we're speaking about this this new life in the Spirit. And already, the Lord is speaking to us. He's been speaking to us since we started with our praise and worship tonight. Since we uh, watched the, the, the drama, because that's a really dramatic piece that Steve shared with us tonight. The Lord is already speaking to us. And what is he saying to us? He's saying, I am at work pouring out my spirit. And the Lord wants to pour out his spirit in us and through us. And he's already doing it. And he's saying, there's so much more. I once heard a story about the evangelist Billy Graham. The older people in the room will know who Billy Graham is. Um, He's a famous, perhaps the most famous um, evangelical speaker. Really preached the gospel message in season, out of season, and so on. And and I read in one of the, the books about him that every time he was going to preach anywhere, of course, he would pray. Of course, we all do. Um, But he would always pray right at the end, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. And on one occasion, somebody said to him, you know, why why, why do you make that threefold prayer? Surely, you know, you've already got the Holy Spirit. And and Billy Graham replied saying something along the lines of, yes, I, I have got the Holy Spirit, but I leak. Meaning that we need to continually have on our lips that prayer, come Holy Spirit. It's not just a prayer of repetition, but it's actually a prayer of infilling. Come Holy Spirit. And I want tonight that to be our prayer. Maybe for some people in this room, you've never really prayed that prayer before. Maybe there are some people who are completely new to what we've been doing on this day. I want to say to you, be open. And in the phrase that Pope St. John Paul II used so often, and of course the scriptures uh, consistently quote, be not afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. When we pray, come Holy Spirit, we're not going to be overtaken by something or someone that's going to make us do ridiculous things we don't want to do. When we pray, come Holy Spirit, more 
of the power and the breath and the fire and the love of the Holy Spirit fills us so we can be more the channels of God's grace that he calls us to be. But we need to cooperate. It's not like we're suddenly going to get overpowered. We cooperate with the Lord. I want to say for those of us who know all this, don't sit there saying, yes, we know all that. (laughs) Because if you do, you'll go home exactly the same as you were when you came in the room tonight. And you might go home, you might sit and have a cup of tea and say, that was lovely. Please do not have a lovely evening. Have a God-filled evening. Have an anointed evening. Have a time when God meets with you in a new way, but don't have a lovely time. Because you're not at the cinema. This is the best film they could find, so you're certainly not at the cinema. But you know what I'm saying here. Blessed are those who expect nothing. They'll never be disappointed. Blessed are those who are self-satisfied. You'll be self-satisfied at the end of the evening. But the Lord wants you to be God-satisfied. Yeah. But we need to be open, don't we? Don't be a spectator. Don't be somebody who's sitting saying, I'll see how it goes. Some of you are thinking that, I can tell. We always laugh at the things we're guilty of, my friends. I remember my world, now it's a very strange world, isn't it? I was talking to Frank earlier, we were catching up, as he said, and um, it it seems so strange to me that, that this girl from Leeds has all these stories to tell of being in the upper room in Jerusalem. I can't believe I was ever there, but I was. Um, And uh, about two years ago, I was in a stadium in the United States, the Dunkin' Donuts Stadium. I just love saying that. It's got to be the United States, hasn't it? So I'm in the Dunkin' Donuts Stadium, and we had a, a rally. And I remember, I can never work out what these ball games are in in. I used to say America, and now I say the United States. Um, I can never work out what these stadiums are, but anyway, we arrived, and I noticed there was this man sitting on his own at the back, and it was like one of those, you know, arena places, so it all goes down onto the stage. So I'm passing him by, and I thought, oh, poor man, you know, he's sitting on his own. So I thought, I'll I'll have a little word, and I'll, you know, I invite him to move up a little bit. So I started talking to him, and he's looking at me, in an amazing way. He just kept looking at me. And I thought, yeah, everything all right here? And, and he's really staring at me. And then I said, well, I said, maybe you'd like to, to move a bit nearer the front, you know, because I'm sure that the whole stadium's not going to be filled. And, you know, you're a long way back here. And he says, ma'am, I'm not part of the convention. I'm the security man. <laughs> and I went, oh. And he said, I just love your accent. So I sit in here as much as I can. He said, I don't always know exactly what you're talking about, but I really, really enjoy listening to you. So I thought, fine, you know. So anyway, then I've kind of got him on my radar. You know, so while I'm speaking to everybody here, I'm also thinking about this guy up there. So, you know, don't lose him sort of thing. And uh, I remember so well that I felt a bit stupid then when I realized he was the security guard. To be honest, I did feel a bit stupid. So then when we were leaving, of course, he has to stay there because he's got to do his security duties. So I thought, I'm going to find him on the way out. And then on the way out, 
you know, there's loads and loads of people and et cetera, et cetera. You get caught up. The whole place is nearly closing down. I thought the janitor's going to lock the door before I get out of the place. Um, but eventually, as I'm making my way out, I'd lost him by this point, but as I'm making my, my way out of the building, there he was. So I said to him, I said, I hope I dis didn't disappoint you tonight with my perfect English accent, because they think everybody in England, like the Queen, speaks like this, you see. Um, so he said, oh, he said, it was so interesting listening to you. And he said, and at the end, he said, when you led, because they don't know what, you know, when you led the prayer service, he said, I felt a warmth in my heart. And, you know, I like to think that he came to that stadium that evening doing his job. He came as a security guard, but I like to think he went home knowing something of the love and the power of God in his life. And I, and I share that with you because sometimes we are spectators. Sometimes we hedge our bets and we say, I'll just wait and see how things develop. But the Lord doesn't want us to be passengers. He wants us to be willing to follow if he says, follow to go if he says go, to come if he says come, to respond to whatever he asks of us this evening. But only you can give God permission to act in your life. Only you can say your yes to the Lord. You can be part of the crowd, you can go along with things, but the Lord wants to speak to each one of us tonight individually as well as speaking to an assembled group, because we're all part of a community, the body of Christ. When I think about the new life in the Holy Spirit, I, I like to think about individual people and their responses. And I often look at Nicodemus. You know the story very well. You can read it. You have read it a hundred times, I'm sure. But it's never too late to reread it again. When I'm preparing these things, I always go back in detail and in prayer to the words that often I know very, very well. And I do that because I believe the Word of God unfolds for us. It's not like a book of poetry where we can say, I've learned off by heart five of the poems and I can recite them and they're very nice. The Word of God's not like that. The Word of God is alive and active. And if we want the Word of God to be alive and active in our lives, we need to be continually feeding on the Word. So even today, I mean, I, I, I didn't prepare this exactly today. I've been preparing it for some time. But even today, when I went back to reread the words that I can almost recite to you, the Lord still speaks through his words. I really, really want to encourage you to be a people who take the word, physically take it and read it, whether it's on your iPad, your iPhone, I don't care how you do it, but there's something about individually reading a word, even though you know very well what it says. In this chapter 3 of John's Gospel, we meet one of the Pharisees, religious people. 
We meet a religious man called Nicodemus. And he's not just religious, he's a leading Jew. Seriously religious. So he knows what it is to be a person of faith. We're not dealing with a pagan here. We're not dealing with a novice. We're not dealing with somebody who's newly converted. We're dealing with a seriously religious person who is a thinker. And when I put that in today's uh, language, I'm thinking of, you know, the serious religious people who you and I worship with Sunday after Sunday. Congregations have many serious religious people. I hope we're part of that body. You know, we're serious about our faith and we want to follow the Lord. And what we meet in Nicodemus is a person who's thinking. We don't always encounter that in our parishes. Sometimes, you know, when we, when we get into church, we go into church mode that sometimes I feel is like you drop your brains in the holy water font on the way in. Because people behave very strange in church, don't they? I once watched a whole congregation watch an altar server get set alight. And they could all see it coming. You know how it is? You go, he's too near the candles. Yeah. Yeah, he is too near the candles. Yeah, oh, he's on fire. Now, where would you do that in any other place? But there's something about church that says, I can't possibly say, excuse me, you're going to get on fire if you go near that candle again. So we sometimes lose our minds, behave in very strange ways. Now, Nicodemus is a seriously thinking religious person. And we're told that he comes to Jesus by night. Night in John's gospel it means a lot of things. But one of the things it's symptomatic of is blindness. When you're in the dark, you cannot see. So he's a seriously religious thinking person, and yet there is a theme of blindness. He's not seeing things as clearly as he could. Another sign of night in John's gospel is it's a symbol of unbelief. In the night, people don't believe as clear as they do in the day. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He enlightens us. So we know already, just in this first couple of verses of John chapter 3, that we're going to be in a dialogue of enlightenment because there's an encounter in the dark between a person and Jesus. And we know what's going to happen is when darkness meets light, things become illuminated. And we see this illumination unfolding as we go through John chapter 3. What Nicodemus says to Jesus, because he's clever, is he says, we know that you are a teacher because nobody could perform the signs that you do unless God was with him. So he's sharing his knowledge with Jesus as if Jesus needed to know that. But um, he's articulate, he's thinking, he's trying to get his mind around things. 
Now, I can identify a little bit with Nicodemus because I'm a rational person. I'm always trying to work things out. But, you know, you cannot rationalize yourself into the kingdom of God. The only way into the kingdom of God is through the doorway of faith. So I'm not suggesting we don't think because I spend a lot of my time thinking. But what I am saying is you cannot get your mind around the things of the kingdom because the things of the kingdom are so much bigger than our minds. They're so much bigger than our hearts. They're so much bigger than our human spirit. God has more in store for us than we could ever imagine. So thank you for taking the time to listen to these episodes. Our prayer is that as you listen and reflect on these teachings, that you'll be encouraged to continue your journey, to maximize your potential, to have a good and a happy life. So sign in again next week for more teaching on how you can follow the Jesus way to experience your life as filled with meaning, purpose and joy. So God bless and stay safe.